Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Agency Girls Mastermind Podcast. We're helping agencies go from 1 million to 10 million, and we're talking about it all the way because why not? And we're talking to a lot of niched agencies and remote-ish, uh, and Nicole, our HubSpot, so HubSpot-focused agency. Um, Nicole has also been remote for a lot longer than it was cool. Um, so Nicole, I would love to hear your overarching take on remote work and how you, you know, what, what your, your perspective is on that. Yeah, it's funny. It's very hipster of our generation, I guess, to say I was doing something before it was cool, right? No. <laughs> That's like the hipster motto. Um, no, yeah, I, I, um, I think we were talking offline a little bit about this sort of remote versus office and what's right or what's wrong and how I, I made a purposeful journey before COVID in 2019, early 2019, um, to go fully remote and, and learn what it took to be a successful remote team. But before that, for seven years, you know, I had a 20 person in office agency. And so the culture was very rooted in physically being together as much as possible, collaborating. And we couldn't even fathom at the time what life could look like not working together. We, we thought you couldn't be creative, you couldn't solve problems. Um, I think you were sharing uh, offline when we were chatting, having senior people, hands-on mentor junior people, like how do you do that when you're not physically together? I think what COVID did show us is it could be done. It just requires a retooling of processes and of what you understand. Um, but I think what's wrong is the polarizing conversation of like, it's either this or that, uh, that it has to be one way, that that remote working is a right now in the workforce. I think, I think businesses craft their culture and the way they work in a way that works for them. And if you don't like it, you don't have to work there. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, you you should be attracted to the culture of a company because what exists before you get there is what you wanted. Yeah. But I think I think I liked your chat uh, offline that we we're having. It's it's about the energy, right? You mm -hmm. you yourself are getting you're getting a lot of of like attacking energy from like people who are pro remote work, and so then you want to defend it versus sitting down going, well, what are the merits of the situation? Mm -hmm. Could we blend it? Could we learn something new if the time permitted? It's yeah. hard to do that when someone's like attacking you, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. very hard to be impartial, especially, you know, I don't know if you're into Enneagrams, but I'm an eight. Oh, so okay. I love challenging people. And I have that contrarian, annoying energy yeah. that some people, yeah, it, it is, can, it can be annoying. Um, yeah. I just want to introduce the broader topic as well that we are going to be talking about, which is about should you hire or when should you hire a talent recruitment or HR person? And I know for you, this is something, have you done this already or are you currently looking for this We're person? in the process. So yes. sort of arrived at that decision to do yes. it. So it's like, it's basically the, the big question, the difficult part, the problem here is when, when do we do this? Because it's certainly like, I, I want this. I'm looking at like 20 at, at when I get to 20 people, you're at 15. Were you using recruiters, like outside recruiters before? Always been okay. me. But noting that that can be up to $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year per employee to mm -hmm. get a, to have a recruiter do that for you. That value is, it, there is value in that. And we're just resorbing that into our own personal energy as owners right now. Yep. So we are currently taking 
20,000, even on the low end, like 10 to 15,000 of value for every employee that we get onto our staff, we are currently taking that on ourselves. As a job, and, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and so when is when is it? And, and I guess like, I am gonna, God, be an eight here and be contrarian energy, but, it, but in this case, it's gonna get to the bottom of, I think, why you're doing something cool by doing it a little bit earlier. But my question is, and my wife and I were talking about this, is because we're like, we're trying to figure out, should we do this, basically, <laughs> is the thing. And I think the thing we get scared about is we feel, and this is always the, the entrepreneur's dilemma, we feel like we've got something special and they wouldn't have it, you know, like they wouldn't be able to identify. We get scared because like, for instance, we have a salesperson and it's taken years to get them to the point where they know how to filter correctly on prospects. And we feel like the same might be the case with, and I realize this is like a hard question, but is it such a specific thing that only, like it's really hard to pass off basically? I've, like sales or service or marketing or HR or any function in your company, there's probably only a really small amount that is the magic and mm -hmm. the broader amount of activities is not. Yeah. And so if you are willing to at least give up all the broad activities and you only have to deal with the small amount, yes, you, okay. it's actually, that's what you want to do. Mm. It probably has not taken your salesperson years to learn how to do a process, yeah. to learn how to sell your services. It sounds to me just to how to, to filter out a bad fit prospect. The final filter, yep. But you could have still done that, right? While mm. they took on 90% of the work, 10% yeah. of it you could have been involved in, and mm. you just offloaded 90%. And that 90% is worth a whole full-time job with somebody, I'm sure, right? You don't regret right. it one bit. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's with every job. And so let's actually, let's, let's go back. You know, people start businesses usually because they're the practitioner, like they're the subject matter expert, they're good at what they do, they're the one that's bought. And over time, they start to piece out portions of it. So perhaps you did, uh, let's talk about our industry where we, we sit close, I'm on the fringe, but like marketing, right? You did SEO and paid and social and you yourself could do all these things. And over time, you're like, well, we have so much social specific business. I can hire someone to do that part. Over time, you grew, oh my gosh, we have, you know, so much uh, SEO business, you pulled someone out. And over time, you grew, and now you're an account manager. So you're maintaining the relationship, you're uh, making sure quality is working. This happens in construction businesses, this happens in businesses where you graduate to foreman, um, or you're managing the project, you're sort of like now doing sales and operations and the front line, but you have worker bees, right? Mm -hmm. Then at some point, hopefully you've grown out of being your product and you found someone else brilliant to come and account manage that relationship and monitor. It's the same thing. So you go through department by department and you do this and you start to have other people do the jobs for you. As an owner, you're the most valuable thing your business has. And so if, if you're getting locked up in any single role other than vision, then you're actually, you need to hire out. So yeah. hiring somebody to do talent, like recruitment, HR, hiring processes, uh, makes sense if you're spending like an unusual amount of time doing that work. Mm -hmm. If you're not, you don't need to give it up. But when you yeah. are, you need to give yeah. it up. 
for me, it's so hard to find good talent. It requires literally like a sales prospecting effort, finding individuals, just like I spend at least 15 hours a week, just outbound prospecting people to apply for our roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's less time per se, because um, I'm only going to take a subset of those people and progress them into interviews. You do a lot of outbound. We do outbound yeah. prospecting to make people oh. aware that we exist. Yeah. Okay. We want we want to hunt down true fit people. So that's recruitment. Recruitment is finding people. Running a hiring process is different. Yeah. So running a hiring process and qualify, qualifying, it's almost the difference between your, your SDRs and your AEs, right? you got your prospectors mm-hmm. and your closers. Um, yeah. And then the whole process of like giving a job offer, onboarding them, all the HR stuff. I mean, in larger companies, these are all separate functions. Small company, you're doing it all. I arrived at a place right now where I'm spending at least 20 hours a week on recruitment efforts from my posting about employer branding, um, from going through interviews with individuals, looking at resumes, outbound prospecting, uh, making the offers in our payroll system, helping with the transition to onboarding. If I'm spending that much time, I'm not growing my business. I'm not solving problems. I'm not being aware of what's happening. I'm not building strategic relationships. I'm holding us back. I also don't want to do that work. That's not why I came. I didn't come to be a full-time recruiter you know it's a function I took on because it didn't need a full-time person but now it's arriving where it is similar to when your business is smaller and you start to break off a little chunk you are breaking off that revenue too right you're going Mm -hmm. I'm willing to pay someone else money to leverage them so as you said if you hire a recruitment agency it could be 20 to 30 percent of the year salary of the person we just hired six people this year Even, even three of those people, if I used a recruitment agency, would equate a person's salary, full-time yeah. annual salary. So I'm yeah. looking at going, there, there's, there's merit in having someone take this off of me. Now, yeah. we talked in a previous chat, and your, your big doubt wasn't when in times of need, would this recruiter help? Yes, it will help. When you yeah. need to fill a slot, it will help. It's when yeah. the times when you're not in need no open slots are available or you're not feeling the pain of, of needing to hire. Yeah. I, I still feel there's value in this role because building a strong employer brand that also attracts talent to you. So we do a lot of outbound prospecting, but we get a yeah. decent amount of people who find us through our content, our culture, our networking, um, having someone who's making sure that the job descriptions make sense. If you go to our website, we have videos of employee testimonial saying like, this is what it's like to work here. Can I just, you're listening to this remote and check under about us, the careers page is basically like, to me, the ideal careers page I've ever seen in my life, the icons with the perks. And then when you click through to the different positions that are open, basically this is the best like position open page I've ever seen in my life. So go check it out. And I hope that you won't be that mad if I if I lift some components. Steal it. <laughs> so good. So you got to tell me whether. Okay. Because yeah. it's so good. I'm looking at it. I'm like, it's just the best. So, I mean, are you, I don't know. I mean, if I was like a prospect too, and I saw this as your careers page, I would like want to work with you just because it looks, you look really smart just looking at this careers page. 
and that's what I've spent like the better half of like the past year and a half is mm -hmm. learning what it takes to attract talent, which yeah. is not unlike attracting customers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, totally. It's actually harder than attracting customers because oh, yeah. the commitment they're making to you is bigger, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I look at this hire, I don't really, I think when, when people think of just recruitment, right, they don't think of the value this person can play beyond just traditional recruitment efforts. I look at this person and I want them to spend the time to make this job page better. Like I've spent an entire year, I've, mm -hmm. I've had at least 200 iterations of this page. What are we missing? Where are we getting misaligned? What are people not understanding? How do I have a job? where one person applies and wants 30K and somebody else applies and wants 170K, I'm obviously not connecting the dots for them. So that's where that job level mm -hmm. situation came out. Like we're yeah, not that, using the same language. <laughs> yeah, that, That's the best part. And just to kind of, people who don't go take the time to look, it's basically a, a list of where you could be in your career path, um, what the title might be. And I, you didn't put it on there, I don't think, but like, like we started to build one of these for ourselves. And it, one of the things about it, like putting your compensation, like what should you expect to get at certain levels in the, so I, I really like this and I kind of just started building one up for ourselves, but it's got like the, sorry, the titles, the level, the titles, the years that you might have, Experience. and then yep. the usual responsibilities. It is just something to behold, something well, to behold. After I put that on the, the page, our applicants actually dropped because it was filtering out people who had a misalignment with the work. And so mm. we had less yeah. people applying, but there were people who were applying in salary ranges with career paths that were like aligned with the role. And that's, I, I, yeah, that's I want awesome. that recruiter to do this. I want that recruiter to write up awesome job descriptions that are gonna attract the prospects to ask other employees, hey, let's get on a webinar and talk about employee culture. I really, the way I look at recruitment is marketing and sales married into one whose sole focus is to get us great talent, whatever it may take to do so. And when you view it that way, you start to actually see a lot of value in that person where if their uh, immediate activities aren't filling a pipeline for recruitment, it's building the future appetite for someone to work with you. And, and that could take all day and all night long of somebody's job. We actually spend more time on employer branding than our own marketing efforts to actually sell what we sell. And it's interesting because we've actually gotten more clients who respect and enjoy our, our position on employer branding and our employee culture who go, I want to, I want to work with the company who respects their employees. Why? Because I'm an employee at a company and I would love it if somebody respected me. It's attractive. Uh, it's the same as supporting mission-driven companies. Um, it's the, if you've never heard of it, the Southwest case study where Southwest gave you a bare bones service, but treated their employees like the best thing ever. And their employees then gave phenomenal service and Southwest mm. beat out on, you know, all the big guys who had all the frills and the bells yeah. and whistles because just people were so happy to have this job. Yeah. And, and they built that model in the eighties when it was like unheard of in the eighties, it was like build profitability. Everyone's a cog in the, you know, in the system. And so I look at it going, if you view the role as more than just a small piece, if you look at all the pieces it could offer you, 
whether it's talent. One second, I'm cutting out here. Yeah, you are cutting out. Hey, sorry about that. I was yeah. cutting out. Um, you were? You were just saying um, if you view the role. And I'm, and yeah, if you, it, if you view any role, I guess, as, as more than just a small component, all, you know, talking about your sales guy, where you're like, there's actually 90% of the job, 10% of this, 10% of this, that made it worth it, then you can let it go. Same thing with recruitment. Just mm -hmm. because I'm seeking to hire somebody to help me do recruiting and employer branding doesn't mean I'm going to totally disappear. I just might do the 10% and paying the 90% for someone else to take on 30 hours of work plus some other things for me. As an owner, that's called leveraging. And it's not unlike what you guys all had to do to build your service teams, the teams that mm -hmm. offer service to your clients. At one point in time, you had to make a decision because you had more work than you could handle to hire somebody. But you knew if you hired them, they're going to dip into your revenues and you're going to have to deal with that for a while. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not like, a, like un, not unlike any other role. It's just different because it's usually the rarest role that small companies go to hire. They will actually hire accountants, bookkeepers, HR, uh, accounts receivable and payroll ops people. They'll hire all these other people. Recruitment is usually one of the rare roles to have in-house. But the moment you need to start paying someone else on the outside to help yeah. you find talent, you, start, you need to start thinking yeah. about that. And I was just so close to doing that recently because I had like heavier turnover after COVID. Yeah. And or like after this last push of COVID. Um, so that was a kind of a moment where I'm like, also the other thing that makes me think that this might be a good idea somewhat soon is a couple of a couple of the last hires. I, I felt like a little bit more like frantic and a little bit more like, all right, just get somebody in here. And I, I, I ended up making the right decisions and I'm very happy with them. But at the same time, just that energy shouldn't be there. It should be more level. Mm -hmm. And it only gets there when you haven't, when you've underinvested in a certain area. That's a good word, underinvesting. If you had somebody all through COVID that was helping build the foundation of an attractive, company mm -hmm. to work at yeah you would actually have had an active pipeline and people yeah. applying and you wouldn't have been ready and then the moment you're ready you have 10 people who applied within the last 30 days yeah. that you can reach out to and get them into an interview process um, Do you ever you can, have job postings out there where you're like i'm not sure whether i'm going to hire this or not but i need to get the job post yep. out there look at our page and you'll see yeah. we have currently hiring and yep. accepting applications. Okay, accepting applications. So you have them all always out there accepting applications. Our our highest demand roles we do, right? I always yep. want to be open. I always want a pipeline. Yep. That's and really often good. oftentimes I will reach out to somebody who applied for a role about a year, maybe a year half ago. I know that a lot of people tend to get the itch, right? Like the the, the switch company itch um, around a year, year and a half. So I will proactively reach out to my database saying, hey. That role you applied for has opened up again if you're interested and you'd be surprised a lot of people are interested mm -hmm. um so there's all these these things that i don't have to do i could have someone else do for me mm -hmm. um also you know always having a, a pipeline of potential hires and what's interesting is for my roles that i say i'm accepting applications occasionally a gem applies for these roles and it behooves me to interview them 
and make a space because the, the person would be so phenomenal. Mm. And if I can get ahead of potential demand or a perceived turnover or whatever, that's my those, favorite. I mean, those are worth worth making happen, right? And if you yeah. wouldn't have that, if you didn't have the engine in place to receive them yeah. so that they could land on you, you know? Totally. I It's a fun place to be in your business where that's a possibility. You know what I mean? Like just cash flow wise. And I, I feel like in the last six months, we've finally got to that spot where I would do that as well if somebody was just phenomenal. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, you are the type of person that will add value. Let's get you in here and let you add value and we can go from there. Yeah. And, and I, I wouldn't say that we are any different than anyone else, but I think, um, I think I spent, you know, just, just as much time, like in the last year and a half that I spent to learn literally to become like a world-class recruiter. I, I often talk with people in recruitment who seeing my content, seeing our, our page, seeing our process, think I'm a recruitment consultant um, yeah. and talking to them. They're trying to like have me help them. And I was like, well, I'd be happy to help, but I don't, I don't do this. I'm not in yeah. like recruitment um, yeah. and they're very surprised, but I, I dive deeply into all aspects of business because that's my responsibility as a business yeah. owner to understand all the nooks and crannies. But early on, I also spent a lot of time doing business modeling and financially modeling, how can I build a business that even if I had a surplus of people, how can we still stay afloat? And it was miraculous because COVID hit and we still stayed afloat, even though we lost like 50% of our revenue in a week. And it took us at least four or five months to, to cover ground. And mm -hmm. we literally operated negative for four or five months, but I built a model and I built a business. I built reserves. I built a, a way of, looking at the value of the team and how it works so that we didn't go under. And mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't. And so um, I think not only do you have to get the right players in the right seats, but you also need to have a healthy business either way. It's not necessarily even a matter of cash flow. It's like understanding the cycles. I know I can hire somebody today and within three months they'll be filled up with work. So I just have to deal with two months of potential onboarding, you know, potential like subpar returns. Mm -hmm. but it's worth it to me because I've basically patterned everything in my business. Yeah. I know the cycles of everything. That's awesome. Um, I feel like there's a couple more things. I just want people to hear that you kind of were talking to us about um, or talking to me about previous to this conversation. Um, we talked about onboarding and what you're doing there. Um, and I had kind of expressed reservations about, my time and like I felt like I was not creating the the pattern that an employee would go through right like I don't have it clear the the steps that they'll take in their career and I was saying like we haven't done it yet I'm tired all these different things and you're just saying that's your job dude that's like your main job and you're, if you're too busy to yeah. solve these problems yeah. then you need to look at the work you're doing right now and yeah. get rid of it because yeah. your job is to jump to from problem to problem in your business mm -hmm. and solve it. But if you're staying in the problem too long, you need to bring somebody else to do the work. Yeah. And so- And sometimes it's like, I'm attracted to, like, I love marketing ourselves. Like I enjoy that a lot. So if sometimes when I'm tired, what I do is I'll just, I think maybe just applying this to the broader audience, like we go to the thing that's like our comfort you know, it's like, just sit, sit there and just like, I'm going to do marketing, 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 marketing. Like, and I, and then there's this other stuff over here that's just getting kind of like run down. 
and I'm sitting here marketing, 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 and like, and so it's just really like a comfort zone thing. I just keep on going back to my comfort zone. Well, and if that's your joy as yeah. the owner of the business, you should be able to do the things that give you joy. Mm -hmm. then what you probably need to do is hire someone to run your business. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many business owners I know who are like the VP or they're the CMO and they hired a CEO. Yeah. If your joy comes from not necessarily running the business, at some point you can grow to a place mm -hmm. where you can hire someone else to run the business and you're a member of the board advising yeah. them, but you're letting them do the part of the work you don't like to do. Yeah. That's usually a, a step that, that people have difficulty with because they feel this like obligation. Um, they also feel that the the payout of a salary of somebody to do that work is is a lot. Um, but if the work doesn't give you joy, just because you own the business, it, it's going to make you a horrible person to work for. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So so if you find joy doing a different behavior, which is not uncommon with people who start off being the the practitioner and grow you started off as the marketer so now you're growing but you're missing those roots that you used to have mm -hmm. um i i i think i've done it similarly as you but i did it in employer branding and mm -hmm. i turned from a from a, a technical seo driven marketer to a, a brand marketer which is like surprising <laughs> mm -hmm. surprising considering you know my whole life was you know trying to get things to rank in seo and inbound people and now i'm like not measuring anything other than sentiment and then the resulting you know situation that goes on mm -hmm. but it was taking too much work. I think I only found joy in it doing a small portion. And so if I hire somebody, I could just jump in, we could collaborate, I could do some strategies and I can jump back out. Um, but there are a lot of people I know who pass off the difficult parts of running a business to someone else so that they can go actually do a portion of the job that they truly love, like be the CMO or the, uh, say you are in a tech company, you were a programmer, you, you rise up the ranks. You don't want to be the CEO. You want to be the director mm -hmm. of product. So mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who own um, agencies specifically where the owner actually may not be the CEO. Yeah. And so if, if that's the route you're going, you should craft a, a path where you hire someone else to be your GM or you hire someone else to handle the business so that you could go do the things that bring you joy because that that's the worst thing is when the business owner doesn't like the work they're doing and so they just either they do it poorly and they're grumpy or they don't do it at all which sounds like you're in a place where you're kind of like hoping the problem goes away or or when you're stressed you go to your comfort place and you let that that settle too long um you know you need to pass it off and and it might it might just be you know, getting people in a high enough management position where they still report to you, but they handle the weight of certain projects that are not ideal for you. Totally. So I um, also wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, we have employees leaving some other, you know, it's a pretty high turnover time. There's COVID shakeup happening, end of COVID or hopefully end of COVID, we'll see. Um, yeah. But how much is how much should a business owner, a mar uh, agency owner take that on themselves and how much can they put on the situation at hand? And what's your take on that? I'm sure you've seen a lot of the like people kind of the shakeup that's happening and don't pull any punches for my feelings. I feel like I uh, certainly, I don't want you to say what you think I want to want to hear. I'm just curious when when this happens, when there's some turnover, heavier turnover, 
what, where do you, where would you look first? Wow, no, you're right, because where I would look first before COVID is definitely where I'd look, it's not the same place I'd look first now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that um, companies that were remote before are taking less of a hit now because it's business as usual. Um, I would say the one difficulty that I've noticed, and I think everybody across the board is dealing with this, is, is recruitment has gotten harder. So maybe I would get 500 applicants for a role and I'm only a 10 person agency at the time. <laughs> maybe now I'm getting like 50. But a lot of that also I think has to do with the fact that we've done a lot of things to turn pe- bad pe- fit people away. But it's harder. They, people want at least 20 to 25% more money than they wanted before. A year ago, I have people who applied a year ago and then for whatever reason they came back found us applied again. It, you know, what used to be on average a $60,000 roll, more or less anywhere but New York and San Francisco is now commanding 75 in a year. Like in a year and a half's time, I've had salaries go up 25% in terms of what people are expecting for mm-hmm. the same work. Things have just changed. Now, what's hard about that is now my current team is being wooed and prospected by people willing to pay that 25% more. The only reason why they're not leaving is because they know that it's very hard to find a good culture. So I do feel that the companies who had a very strong culture, uh, appreciation, a great employee experience, and that's why I'm talking about, I would hire a talent person because I want to maintain Mm. this employee experience that we have. That's the only saving grace to why we're still around. We're such a small agency. It's so easy to obliterate us. It can take one large agency that comes in. It's like prospects, five of my top, you know, employees gives them astronomical salaries and we're out of business. I'm giving everybody the secrets to take us out of business, but any business our size, if you came and really gave, you know, the right offer to people, they, they just, they're compelled to leave. We're human. I would never fault somebody for taking more money or taking a situation that helps them meet their goals faster in life at this stage. All I had for me was an amazing employee culture that we, you could see we've taken it and we basically tossed it all over our website, all over our social so people can see it. So it like rings loud and clear everywhere we go. Um, and people who didn't have strong cultures, people who weren't taking an employee first mentality, people um, who knew better, but got away with maybe not talking about salary, talking about salary doesn't mean you have to give it, talking about it so they understand where you're coming from, they understand when you will be able to do it, that you're working towards that, showing them the metrics they can help influence to help them get there, giving them like like the hope and like an authentic promise that that will change and be better if they change and be better over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who, who are hard-nosed on remote. It's hard, I think, for a lot of employees who had to go remote for a year, it became essential to surviving now this essential to survive way of working is no longer valid. You worked a whole year that way and now you can't. So people who don't entertain flexibility, whatever that may look like. Um, interestingly enough, I think most people are gravitating to wanting a hybrid model. They don't want all or nothing of anything. They want choices and options that are well thought out. Um, I think open communication not necessarily like a flat organization, but an organization where there's feedback loops everywhere, where where 
I can tell my employees how I think and why I make the decisions I do. They can tell me how they feel about that. I can incorporate it. We can advise each other, mm. but everyone ha is on the same level of understanding. Things are not happening hidden in the, in the dark. Um, yeah. All these things, if they're not, if you weren't doing it before, people didn't have an option because most times they had a, a 15 mile radius of, of choice. <laughs> now with remotes, they now have a world's radius of choice and better option and opportunity. And I think remote also appended so many people in such a disruptive way that, that, that loyalties now have been severed where it's like, well, they've given me a job and I've been here for 12 years. And I can't. now people learned how to survive with less. They've, they're having a reevaluation moment. There's a there's sort of like this big awakening in happiness in their career. And because, you know, the, it's exponentially happening where like more and more people are making a move right now and it just feeds it. And so it's no longer bad to be moving. Whereas people would look on their resume and they'd be like, oh, well, I need to be somewhere for three years before I move or it looks bad. We're kind of like in this void of like movement's okay. No one's getting judged negatively. So I, I look at all that being factored into the situation. Some of it's on the company, some of it's not. But the companies could have done something to shield them if they had an employee first mentality and and started to build those things in their culture before covid um now a lot of companies are building that now but they've lost a lot of the talent and mm -hmm. so it's just a it's a kicker it's a lesson learned i think overall the entire employment like way of being the way we view employment is probably going to be a little bit more like europe you know a little bit more sustainable a little bit more healthy a little bit employee first, everyone sort of trying to, you know, no one be harmed in the situation, like the client, the company, and the employee should all be benefiting versus one monopolizing on the other, you know, in an uneven way. Um, I think things are just changing and and people who were in an office were, were benefiting from the fact that radius controlled the choice of their employees. If you were the only agency in town and people really wanted to work at an agency, even though there might have been aspects that they didn't like of the company, you're their best option. Mm -hmm. But now everybody's their best option. Absolutely. Last question here. How much emphasis do you put on one-on-ones and check-ins with each employee as a business owner? And I guess, you know, if you grab this employee experience slash talent recruiter person, how much will you work with them on some of that? Yeah, so mentorship, if you go to our our um, hiring pages, is actually one of our top three benefits at the top, right? We got rem remote and W-2, uh, flex time, which is a whole nother conversation, right? How can you operate in a, in a flexible working environment in terms of time of day? Um, and then mentorship. And so for me, I think recruitment and mentorship are not necessarily the same. I, as a, a business owner, have, have always had like a mentor first uh approach where I'm constantly trying to build personal relationships with my team and help them grow to their goals. And sometimes their goals have them only here as a stopping point to the next level in their career. And so I'm actually, I'm sitting here actively helping my employees make a plan to quit, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. helping them to get to their goal. Um, mm -hmm. What's interesting is then they go off to these new jobs and they hire us, which is amazing. I love it. But right. it's the same way, I guess, you view you should view networking, right? Networking is not necessarily for what the relationship could give you this exact moment. It's the long game. 
So for me, I will always have mentorship as a way of behaving in our company, coaching, helping people move the career crafting. How do you go up? How do you go left? How do you go right? It's not always the company that drives the the career decision. Sometimes it's my employees where they're like, I really would like to try this thing. I have them, you know, tag along on some of those projects. We find out they have a talent for it. We go, well, maybe they should move. You know, how can we, how can we help them get there? I've formulated new roles that if, if we think on it, we actually would need it. Or if we, if we pull this piece off of this person who didn't like that work anyways, and, and slap it into over here and make a new role, could we, you know, reorg responsibilities that makes everyone happier so i'm constantly like tooling that um i think that's my responsibility as a business owner is to make sure that we are putting all the puzzle pieces in the right slots and and you know playing the chess game like 15 steps ahead but half the time the team doesn't even know why i'm making the decisions i'm making and no matter how much i explain to them like here's what's going to sequentially happen and if we don't do this now we won't be prepared everyone on my team was like you know why do you why are you spending so much time on this page on our website the career page they were already here so they already knew we were awesome um now you see why i i would say we've spent hundreds if not like thousands of hours on our website just to attract talent yeah if you look at that at an agency billable rate it's an astronomical amount of money i've spent to build this engine but it's bearing so much amazing fruit to allow me the little guy to compete with the 200 300 person agencies who are actively trying to poach my employees like my employees are getting poaching emails and linkedin's like three times a day yay (laughs) oh man well nicole you are absolutely brilliant and i think um this has probably been one of the best conversations i've had about this i am encouraged i want to have one of these talent people i i I feel like there's no way that I'm not absolutely renovating our employer employer uh, page as well in the next couple of weeks. So I hope that um, you enjoyed the combo. Appreciate your time today. And um, thanks for everybody watching and listening to this on the Agency Growth Mastermind podcast. And join us for the next episode. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Bye.